Welcome to Why I Hate Your Podcast. These days, there are a lot of podcasts to choose from. This is another one. I'm Crystal, and each week my brother Sean and I meet up to talk about two podcasts and why we hate them, or don't. Join us and we might help you find your new favorite podcast, or save you from wasting time on a podcast you might hate. So our first podcast today is called Call Her Daddy. And this podcast is from Barstool Sports, which confused me greatly when I first did some initial research on this because the podcast has nothing to do about sports. The podcast is hosted by Alexandra or Alex Cooper. She's an Instagram model, YouTube vlogger. And the podcast is basically, well, it's mostly about sex, um, but sex, dating, relationship issues, and kind of the New York City lifestyle. It was originally hosted by uh, her and a woman named Sophia Franklin until the spring of this year. Uh, and there was a bit of a drama. When I was doing the research on this, I kind of deep dived into what the heck was going on because they had a big break in the recording. And basically, there was a big disagreement between Sophia and Alex about whether or not to continue under their Barstool Sports renegotiated contract because they didn't feel they were being paid enough. And so they went to David Portnoy, who is the, I guess, the president of Barstool Sports and said, hey, you know, we want to renegotiate. We're not happy. And I think uh, from what I gather, a lot of it is on Sophia's boyfriend, who's this HBO sports executive who was like pushing her to move off of the Barstool Sports platform or something. Anyway, so lots and lots of drama around that whole thing. But the end result is that the podcast is now hosted by Alex Cooper alone, starting, you know, in, I guess she started recording back early summer. Uh, And Sophia went off and now has her own podcast, which is called Sophia with an F, which maybe we'll cover that in the future. I don't know. So again, no real connection to sports. It's just all about sex and relationships and everything else. So, and I should say, I think she's in her, I'm assuming early to mid twenties. I'm not sure about Sophia. I think she was around the same age. So that's sort of the the background on this podcast that I was able to find. And I did listen to some of the episodes around that time. I made it a point to listen to an episode from before the split that had both of them hosting as well as a couple of episodes after. And uh, I have thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> what, what did you think? Like, let's start off with what episodes you listened to and kind of what, what your thoughts were. Well, I only listened to more of the recent episodes, um, considering the fact that that's kind of how it's going to be going on forward. It's just her. So I didn't really yeah. go too far into the past. So I listened to the, I, I figured, okay, I, I got the general idea of a podcast. It's going to be really raunchy. You know, like I said, it's it's, it's like sex in the city. Like, I, I, I don't know the uh Sarah Jessica Parker, her main character, uh, but it's like she thinks she's her, right? Living in New York, it's all about sex, being single, or relationships, and uh, right. it's just way more raunchier than Sex in the City. So <clears throat> I figured, okay, let's get what would probably be the raunchiest episode out of the way. So I did the one, the first episode I was to was the the interview with Lana Rhodes, who's a porn star, and mm-hmm. I, like you, I have thoughts. My, my first initial impression was now I haven't I've, I looked at her Instagram page and it's very typical the influencer Instagram model stuff you know tons of makeup and pursed lips and bikini shots and stuff and I, I didn't check out any of her YouTube content um, but I, I got the feeling at least in the podcast that she's kind of performing it's almost like a character 
Um, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's very forced, right? Like this performance. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. It's just the kind of the, the tone that's the podcast, has, the podcast has set for itself. And of course, naturally this was, you know, it was definitely very raunchy because we we're talking to a porn star or she was interviewing a porn star, but I'm kind of torn on this because from a lot of technical aspects, if you look at it purely technical, it's not mm-hmm. a terrible podcast, right? No. It's just, I think it's more, it, you have to be of the right audience. Yes. And that's actually a really good comparison to Sex and the City. So I never watched the whole Sex and the City, but you know, you can't really avoid knowing about it. And even down to the, 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 the nicknames for boyfriends that they, you know, like she references Slim Shady or Canada Man, or I think Sophia's boyfriend was always called Suit Man, you know, so that's very kind of Sex and the City. You're absolutely right. I think that's exactly what they were kind of thinking. It's like a really raunchy version of Sex and the City. Um, I kind of flipped. So I started listening. The first episode I listened to was the two of them. And it was horrible. I hated every second of it. It was just, it was awful. We talked about this with the, uh, I think, pop culture therapists. I can't stand the giggling and the, oh my God, stop. You know, like that kind of (laughs) conversation. And so they were raunchy, but they were also super giggly. It, It just, I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it. They, they, they talked over each other. I just, I hated both of them. Like, it's, just listening to it was awful. So I feel like staying in New York, like, right. you don't annoy me as much as, like, my siblings can annoy me. That's so I'm going to stay put. Yes. Also, we have to work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I like, is just pretending, like, doesn't even matter. I'm like, I could go solo, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, we have to work. Um, I think the social distancing thing is really hard for some people. Yeah. Like, my grandparents, they're obviously part of the demo that is the most at risk right and they were out fucking shopping up a storm yesterday oh wow and my whole family got so upset i feel like it's really fucking i get why you guys are upset because it's also but it's fucking hard to tell old people to like you can't tell them what to do grandma stay inside and she's like get out of here i'm going i'm cruising on my scooter not to mention (laughs) they're after i listened to the episode I listened to the episode where they had David. Well, it was just Dave Portnoy. It was just recording from him about all the drama that was going on. And then I listened to the subsequent episode, which was her first one by herself. And you're absolutely right. What she's doing in this podcast is a performance. It's a character. And she even says as much. So far on this show, I have shown the side of myself that is so outgoing. Social, talk about sex, crazy, wild shit. I've even told everyone I'm going to release a blowjob that's named after myself. Like, bitch, there is no limit. But when I dropped that YouTube video, guys, I had to obviously be the Alex that walks into business meetings. And I've never shown that side of myself on this show. Probably because I think as the show got bigger, it wasn't, quote unquote, on brand. And I actually started to really develop a lot of respect for her because she's the one who's been editing it from the beginning. So when you talk about the production quality, right, like the actual technical side of it, it's really good. That's all her. She went to Boston University. She was a Division I college athlete and then gave that up to really focus on her studies. She is driven as heck. She pretty much was the whole business side of the of the podcast from what I gather. So she negotiated the deal with Barstool. She's actually super, super savvy. So while 
that first episode I listened to, she came off as a complete raunchy kind of ditz character. I realized that that is a character and it's kind of the whole point of the podcast is you're watching, you're listening to, well, you were listening to two girls who were sort of, and I don't know if this is true of Sophia. Like, I don't know if she's also putting on kind of a character. After that, I then listened to the interview with Lana Rhodes because you mentioned that that was uh, one of the ones you were going to listen to. And I'm actually like, you know, she wasn't a terrible interviewer. Like she asked, I mean, there were raunchy questions, right? Because she's interviewing a porn star. And and if you don't like raunchy stuff, you're going to hate this podcast in general, just because, you know, and I'm not a big fan of raunchy stuff. But stepping back from that, if that is something, and and I'm not, I'm not a prude. If people want to have a conversation and, and if you want to, I think there is some good about empowering women to speak openly about sex, you know, because I don't think they... That's typically not considered, especially even like from my generation and and prior, it's not really something you do. Um, We were always taught that that was kind of crude and rude and everything. But I think there is some validity to, you know, just making people feel comfortable about women talking about sex the same way men do. But I, stepping back from that, I started to develop some real respect for her in terms of how she, all the work she puts into it. The fact that it is really good quality for somebody who just sort of self-taught herself everything. And, you know, when the podcast is just her, I like it a lot better. It's it's much more listenable. Like, it's, again, not my thing, but it's not awful like it was when it was the two of them, at least from what I could tell from the episode I listened to before the split. Yeah, and that, that was one thing that really kind of jumped out at me was that she's she is a really good interviewer. So uh, the other episode I listened to was The Orgasm Gap. Because again, I was like, give me the most intense version of this podcast. So I have a pretty good idea of like, you know, what it can be. And she had a sex uh, therapist or sex specialist on. And again, it was really good interview. She doesn't make it about herself. She asks, you know, pertinent questions. She asks good questions. And she's an engaging interviewer, which really surprised me. And the character she plays... And, and I re- kind of, in the, one of the things that really kind of hit, told me, okay, this is a performance, because when it's just herself talking about her life updates and everything, uh, she's kind of, the, the performance is almost kind of like this alpha female type. Yes, call me daddy, mm-hmm. you know, because that's who I am, you know, hear me roar kind of personality. Right. So it's like the super strong alpha female personality. But she drops that completely for interviews, at least the ones I listen to. Yeah. So the interviews was just you kind of get more an idea of what her personality is. Um, and I, I didn't find it abrasive at all. I, and again, I'm definitely not the audience for this <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> and it's and the thing is, I don't know who the audience is. Right. Because mm-hmm. my first impression before I kind of realized she was kind of doing this performance, I was like, this is somebody who's still stuck in that sorority house party phase of her 20s, right. you know, where she's all in constantly failed relationships because they're always toxic. And then she finally settles down in her 30s. And then, you know, and then by or she wants to settle down down by the time she's 30 and then she can't find a guy. And so she laments about that and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if that's the type of person that would want that uh, or if that's just the only kind of person who would want to listen to that podcast. But what also surprised me is that when I found out she also has kind of like an advice section, you know, yes. it's usually at the at the end of the podcast and people are sending them questions. And I was actually very surprised. Some of the, you know, unlike the wind down where I, the life advice is terrible, she actually has some decent advice for people, which I was, again, kind of surprising. So it's it's this weird thing where it's like I, I can't fi- I can't put my finger on her and figure her out. 
and part of me really likes it and part of me doesn't like it simply and i and i'm afraid that's just because i'm not the audience right i agree i think the target audience for this is women slash girls and you know the 18 to 26 27 range maybe all the way up to 30 depending on you know how much you like to live the single lifestyle and again she's far younger than i am so i don't have the same perspective on a lot of things but i agree so aside from the really dumb intro to the questions of the week section which she's still hanging on to like i hate i hate that intro i don't know why she doesn't let it go you've moved on it just it sounds so immature but anyway it's just goofy you know i don't know But anyway, it sort of sticks out to me like a sore thumb. But aside from that, the whole segment of questions of the week is I was also very surprised. I mean, there was some advice that speaks to somebody who's had a lot of relationship. You know, uh, she's she's lived a period of time where she's been dating multiple men at the same time. Like she has a lot of experience with that, like, you know, juggling multiple men and everything. So some of her advice will kind of come from that perspective of, well, if you want to make it work with three different guys, here's what you got, you know. But... A lot of it was really sound. And I, I remember in particular, there was a question where this person was, I guess she found out her boyfriend had watched some porn and she was freaking out about it. And she was like, don't, you know, like, what's the big deal? You know, she gave some really sound advice, like, calm down, don't freak out, you know. And so I think, again, I think she's way more mature than the character she plays. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. she knows she's playing that character. Her audience loves that character. Clearly, she has a very strong following. It is a, I mean, off the charts successful podcast for Barstool, apparently, because the deal they negotiated was, I think she gets like half a million dollars and, uh, and it's all out there. I'm not like this. She meant she said this much on, on the episode after the big split. She's, she's making money. She's kind of rolling in it right now because she's very successful at what she does and she's got a huge following. And so I have to respect her savvy. I have to respect her work ethic because, again, she, from what I understand, again, there was a lot of drama, but from what I understand, she was the brains behind the show. I mean, she's the one doing all the work. They, Even though they were part of the Barstool Sports Network or they were picked up by that network, she still does all the editing. She still does, she handles all the production. Like, they don't even go back even before the split. They don't, they don't go into Barstool to record this. They don't go into the studio. They have their own setup. So I, I have to evaluate it objectively even though the subject matter is not something I really care to listen to or have any desire you know it's, it's just it's very foreign to me because it's for 20 somethings I, I really kind of respect what she's doing like she's made a brand she knows what it is she's super smart I, that was the thing that like when I listened to the first episode with the two of them I didn't have a high opinion to either of them right like uh, but once I realized that was a character and I started to understand what's going on behind the scenes. She's really wicked smart. And so I can't fault her for having developed a brand and sticking with it and knowing what she's doing, right? Being smart about how she's managing everything and and being able to go off on her own and change the podcast. And honestly, again, my opinion, it seems to be much better when it's just her. I, I think that's actually taken the podcast in a much better direction. From what I could tell, for least the episodes I listen to, like she does all of her own ad reads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I guess it's probably the benefit of being on like barstool sports. Um, you don't have all those Geico ads, which again, I don't think you would see a Geico ad or Alexis ad inserted into this no. podcast. <laughs> don't um, think so. Because all of her ad reads, well, I would say probably ninety percent of them are for adult products, right? Yes. Yes. You know, adult toy stores or you know, adult you know products. And um, which, again, that kind of tells you, again, the audience that she's catering to. And 
and I think one important distinction is is that when I say it's very raunchy, to for me at least, and I don't want to think I'm a prude, but you know, it's it's somewhat uncomfortable for me because I'm just not generally that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And when I mean raunchy, it's not raunchy in the way like like ooh, there's a beautiful woman talking, you know, raunchy stuff. I want to listen to that as a guy. It's really for other women, right? It's like how oh, yeah. I see women at the bar talking about whatever and being raunchy to you know amongst themselves yes. right it's definitely not made for a male audience at all the raunchiness of it so i think that's an important distinction to say when we're saying it's raunchy it's kind of that body talk that women have when they're together having glasses of wine and the conversation just gets a little little crazy <laughs> oh yeah it's very frank and and i don't know if raunchy is right it is raunchy because there's a lot of I'm trying to be family friendly here. So having, so it is open, frank discussion about sex and about sex specifically for women, but there is a lot of crude language. So they don't shy away from certain terms, certain phrases, you know, like she's, she's very blunt and upfront and she uses terms that the most raunchy versions of, of ways of describing certain sex acts. Let's we'll just put it that way. And again, I think there's something there in terms of, it may seem uncomfortable because I think that's how we don't we don't expect women to talk that way about sex that openly and that kind of raunchy and raw. It's the way guys talk about sex the, it, historically, locker room talk essentially, but uh, the female version of that. And it's not how I've personally discussed it with my girlfriends, but you know, it's it's a, a step beyond that. But I think there's something to be said about kind of normalizing women talking openly about sex, right? And and if it also happens to be raunchy, whatever, that's that's her thing and that's that's the character she's playing. There's definitely a target audience for this. I think I can see why some people would enjoy it. Again, it's a different generation from mine. So I don't think I would be comfortable having a podcast like this or just or discussing this sort of thing that quite that openly. But that's because I come from a different generation. And so I don't I don't necessarily just sign it off as, oh, it's just raunchy and gross. It's not. It's just not for me. Like you said, it, like we're, we're neither of us are the target audience for this. But I think if you are the tar- target audience, it's well made. It's well produced. She puts out good content. I mean, it's it's engaging. She's fairly well spoken. Like I said, there's a lot of it's uh you know she's she's a, she's a twenty something, so she kind of talks like a twenty something. But it's much better than it was when it was her and Sophia. When it was her and Sophia, it just would devolve into pop culture therapist level of back and forth, which was not great. So I think on her own, she's much much better. Yeah, and. And, and to be honest, I I was actually kind of surprised by the content of it. Now, granted, you know, I, I read, I knew it was like a woman's lifestyle kind of podcast, right? <laughs> and obviously, they're going to talk about sexual things because that's, you know, it's lifestyle. I mean, I'm sure there's mi- male-centric podcasts that talk about that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. Um, you know, I mean, you, you open up a copy of Cosmo, they're going to, it's just all about sex, right? Right. And so that's kind of like where I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> Right, because oh. <laughs> um, the description doesn't really prepare you. The, uh, like the actual description of the podcast on the yeah. webpage doesn't really prepare you for what it is. It's much bluer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I agree with you. It's like I, I, when it comes down to rating, objectively, I can't say that I hate it. Right, because like you said, she's actually engaging. It's it, it, she's she is entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. And 
the production value is good. It's, you know, there's a lot of great things about the podcast. It's just, I'm not the audience for it. So as far as rating goes, from an objective standpoint, I don't hate it. But it's something I won't listen to in the regular, but I get it for people who do. Yeah, and and one other thing I'll say about her kind of character. She also portrays her character, and I've noticed this in a couple a couple of times, as a hot mess. Yeah. She's not I think she's not holding her character up to be this is how you should be, because she's made comments before, like as she's talking about a particular experience or whatever, and she's like, Yes, I know this was stupid. I don't know why I did this. You know, she she doesn't I don't think she's attempting to be a paragon of this is how you should be. I don't think she comes across that way. And so it's not hey, guys, be like me. It's more like, oh, my God, can you believe I did these things? Well, it's like the stories with her stalking her boyfriend on social media. So, yes, yes. The whole thing was that I don't remember which episode it was. It might have been the, after the interview with Lon Rhodes where she was talking about the Instagram stalking. Yes. That. And how she like she specifically didn't follow him. So it would be harder to stalk, but it just made it worse or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't present that like, this is what you should do. She's like, guys, I have a problem. I'm trying to stop doing this. So, and her, again, her followers are super loyal. And I think there's a reason for that because she does seem to genuinely connect with her followers. And I and I haven't listened to see if this is what she did, but right after the split, she talked about have connecting with her, the daddy gang, as she calls, and having somebody from her fan base, essentially, sort of co-host shows occasionally you know like just bring them on and let them talk and and kind of make it a, a rotating co-host sort of thing which i thought was a really neat idea i don't know if she's done that because i only like i said i only listened I, between the the pre-drama episode the david portnoy then her post-drama episode and then the I, I listened to as many as i could in the time frame we had but yeah i think i think she's taking it in a really smart direction i think she handled it pretty maturely i mean i don't think initially they handled it really maturely in terms of like all the drama that was going on. But I think she came out of it looking really good and looking very smart. I think she is smart. So I also am going to come down on the side of, I don't hate this podcast. I really thought I would, especially after I listened to that first episode. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this again. But I really respect her. I think she's super smart. She's super savvy. She's built a brand successfully. She's, you know, like you said, a really good interviewer. And I, I just am kind of really impressed. You know, again, it's not something I'm going to listen to or subscribe to because it's not my kind of content. But I can't say I hate it because I think she's really doing a good job at putting out a podcast that appeals to a lot of people, even if it has nothing to do with sports. Again, not sure how and why it's on Barstool Sports Network. But yeah, so I don't hate it. And I think if this sounds like something that's up your alley from a topic perspective, check it out because it is well done. And I think she's you're in good hands in terms of, of a podcast host who's really savvy and who knows what they're doing and who's going to give you content that you want to consume. So the next podcast today is the giant gorilla, which is fitting animal. Uh, in the room uh, is the Joe Rogan Experience, uh, probably one of the biggest podcasts in the world, if not the biggest podcast in the world, uh, which is now Joe's signed exclusivity deal with Spotify. So he'll be moving all his content off YouTube starting in January. So Joe, if you don't know, he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, he's done sitcoms, uh, worked on uh, Fear Factor. So he's a also well-known MMA color commentator for UFC. And uh, originally, the Joe Rogan experience started off as kind of like it was actually a live stream 
with just him and some of his stand-up comedy uh, buddies uh, just talking about whatever. From that point, it's kind of grown into this massive behemoth into kind of like a long-form long style podcast where Joe simply... Joe doesn't consider himself an interviewer. He doesn't consider himself to be a typical podcaster. He just says, I just, he just wants to have people on that he finds interesting and just have conversations with them. And the subjects range from comedy, sports, MMA, hunting, politics, current events, UFOs, conspiracy theories. I mean, it's, (laughs) his show kind of runs the gamut on topics. So yeah, he's, uh, I've been listening to Joe for quite a long time. Uh, Not one of the people who started since the beginning, for sure, but I definitely started many years ago. And uh, so how did you originally learn about the Joe Rogan podcast? I'm honestly not sure I remember. It's been it's been a few years and it wasn't one of the first podcasts I started listening to. I got into podcasts and then I, I think once you get into podcasts, inevitably you're going to hear about Joe Rogan. So I'd have to, I'm going to guess it's probably was a recommend like a certain episode was recommended or something. Like, oh, hey, you have to listen to this conversation. And that sort of turned me on to I, I don't remember who it was, though. Might have been Jordan Peterson, but that, that feels like that wasn't long enough ago. So, but yeah, I, I think that's how I found out about it. And, you know, I, again, I i don't listen to every single episode because I don't know if I could. Honestly, I've got a lot, a lot of podcasts I listen to. So I kind of pick and choose based on who he's having on, what the topic is, and that's how I choose which ones I listen to. But it's, uh, to your point, it's kind of all over the place. Like there's no... There's no theme here. It is just whoever Joe wants to talk to and he can get them on the podcast, he will. And it's kind of interesting that it's become this massive, you know, the I think it's technically the number one podcast in the world in terms of total downloads. It's the biggest. And to your point, it's sort of the elephant in the room. You can't have a podcast about podcasts and not talk about the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what's funny? And I thought to myself, I was like, why are we covering this? Everyone's probably listened to Joe Rogan. Everyone knows what Joe Rogan is. But it's actually my wife talked to someone the other day who has no idea what the Joe Rogan podcast is. So I guess there's still people out there who don't know what it is. Well, and I think a lot of people, too, who've heard of him think that it's something it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've I've been part of Facebook groups where people will hear Joe Rogan's name and they think he is an alt-right like white supremacy guy because I think they've probably seen pictures of him and he's just got a shaved head and you know they know that he had know, Milo Yiannopoulos on a show once and they're like oh that guy's you know a white supremacist or whatever you know so uh, I think there's definitely a perception of him among people who haven't listened to the show that I think is incorrect based on at least a couple of years worth of listening to his show regularly. Right. And and and, and kind of go back to one of your earlier points, I think the Joe Rogan experience, I'll just call it JRE from here on out, is um, it, it's only as good as the guest, right? Each individual episode. Because uh, yep. Joe himself is not that interesting, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, he's actually kind of dumb. And he'll, he'll tell you that, too. He, he, he believes he's actually an idiot. Although, I, I think generally he has kind of above average intelligence. But he... He's still kind of dumb, <laughs> right? He know well. He knows a lot of stuff. He's, I mean, he's he's made it a point to use his podcast as a way to educate himself, right. and he's very curious. Yeah. Like he goes out of his way to learn, and so he he does. I don't think he's dumb. I just think he's kind of a meathead, and he kind of comes at things. I mean, he he admits it. Like you said, he says, "I'm just a moron." You know, I don't know why people would listen to me, but I don't think it's true. I don't think he's a moron. I think he's very smart. I think he's savvy. I think he knows what he's doing, and I think he's he's educated himself. He's very self-educated, right? He was probably dumb 
when he first came to California and started acting and started doing comedy. But I think he's educated himself a lot just through a lot of his guests that he's had on. So I wouldn't call him dumb. I would just say he's not what makes the podcast great. Right, right. And, And that's the thing is that he'll have... And the thing is, he's such an he's in a position now where he can have really on any guest as controversial yeah. as possible. He's had Alex Jones on a couple of times, like I said, Gavin McInnes, Milo Yiannopoulos. Some people would even say Jordan Peterson's controversial. And uh, I think there's because he's willing to have very controversial, you know, Stephen Pinker is another one, uh, even though he's willing to have controversial people on his podcast you know it's kind of like one of those things like if you don't agree with those people then you know sunlight's the best disinfectant you give them a way to get their ideas out there and then people can yeah. look at it and say oh these ideas are really terrible instead of just being told that they're terrible without actually hearing them well and he's a super he's super old school liberal too so like he's really big on free speech which is i yeah. that kind of lines up with his concept of like you know let's hear their terrible thoughts you know that we should know what they are yeah well and that's the thing yeah example like i mean his political stance is definitely he is uh you know old school liberal like freedom of speech he does agree with the right to bear arms stuff like that second amendment supporter but he does support universal income uh, or uh, what is it uh, universal health care UBI. ubi you know he he supports that stuff he supports a lot of very you know left stuff and or progressive stuff. And, mm-hmm. and he, he likes Bernie Sanders. He likes Tulsi Gabbard. Um, he's definitely not a conservative by any measure. But he gets called like alt-right white supremacist because it, there was one uh, magazine. And they did kind of like, as you know, remember the old game, what is it, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. It's They kind of did that. It was seven degrees of alt-right. six degrees. Or six degrees. It was six <laughs> degrees of alt-right. Because Joe's yeah. had this person on. And that person's been on this show, which had a person that was on this show that makes Joe all right. Right. And it was li- that re- that report literally came out and nobody really looked at how they were, you know, making these ties. And because of that, it, it, I'll give you a perfect example. So Joe Rogan had Carl ben- Benjamin on, which uh, is known as Sargon Avocado on YouTube. He was on an episode. Well, Carl Benjamin had also debated on a live stream Richard Spencer, right? Which is a actual true blood white supremacist, white supremacist yeah. right? Like when you use the term white supremacist, that's that's an accurate, accurate description of him. But because of that, that makes Joe alt right because he's had Carl Benjamin right. on, who Carl Benjamin was debating <laughs> against Richard Spencer, saying his ideas are bad, right? right. So that's kind of how this and that narrative gets out there, and people will just automatically assume, oh, Joe Rogan's, you know racist and misogynist or all this kind of stuff because he's had those kind of guests on and it's actually causing a big stink at spotify right well and i think i think youtube is a lot to blame for this yeah like because youtube's algorithm if you watch an episode of the joe rogan podcast so he's had some of his more popular episodes are ones where he's had like jordan peterson or alex jones brett weinstein or or alex jones always blows up whenever he's on any podcast and and for the record i can't listen to the ones with alex jones he drives me absolutely nuts like it's just not i can't make it through an episode because it's just he doesn't stop shouting it's annoying anyway if you listen to an episode of joe rogan and it happens to be one let's say where he's had ben shapiro on youtube is going to recommend other ben shapiro videos or other you know kind of very right videos if you watch an episode where he has bernie sanders on it's going to recommend more left content and so but because of that algorithm i think people assume that 
oh, if you watch the Joe Rogan show, you're going to get led down this this dark YouTube rabbit hole. It's going to lead you straight to the white supremacist. You know, like I think that's part of the problem well, is the way. The yeah, and there's actually algorithm works. and there's actually been articles written that are literally been called the alt right rabbit hole. And uh, specifically blaming YouTube that, you know, it's YouTube that is the algorithm that leads you down that. So if you start watching a Ben Shapiro video, that that starts the rabbit hole. Or if you listen to Joe Rogan, that's the start of the rabbit hole. It's just going to get you deeper and deeper into the, you know, the cesspool of, you know, white supremacy and alt-right and stuff like that. So... Which is true. I mean, and that comes, that's a bigger discussion at hand where social media itself right. creates echo chambers. Right. right. And that that's just... And this is excellent timing because when we were recording this, he had just interviewed, I don't know if you've heard it yet, uh, Tristan Harris, who was the guy behind the Social Dilemma movie. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Okay. Which was really interesting. So yeah, but very, very much this topic, like the way that social media kind of manipulates what you see based on what you've seen and how you act online and all that stuff. Right, so. right. And it, it I mean, even Jack Dorsey of t- Twitter, which Twitter is probably the most echo chambered social media platform in existence, has agreed that, mm-hmm. y- yes, we that is a problem, you know, we, we have is that social media tends to create echo chambers. So right. it's it, so we're kind of digressing. Um, I know. But it, it still relates to kind of like... The draw, not necessarily the controversy around Joe Rogan that happens because it's just mm-hmm. he's willing to have so many different types of guests on, which is what I appreciate. And it goes back to also that it's the guests that make the podcast. And I don't listen to his podcast religiously. I just look for the particular guests that I might find interesting. Mm-hmm. And typically his podcast has a certain category of show, right? It's either all about MMA, which I don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his one with his comedy lackeys, right? Like Burt Kreshner, uh, Ari Shafir, uh, uh, lackeys is a bit harsh. <laughs> they're 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 leeches, right? So, um, it, I've got a, some of them are really good comedians. I really Brendan like Brendan Schwab. Uh, the only one, well, and so with his comedy lackeys, Joe, when he's you know Joey Diaz and them, uh, which I recommend everyone at least listen to one Joey Diaz episode because Joey Diaz is a very interesting character. But these are people I feel like they've kind of they leech they latch onto Joe because Joe's more famous than they are, and when they get together and talk about comedy, Joe kind of thinks comedy stand up comedy is like this very high art form, right? And he gets super pretentious about it, and he kind of he's kind of like the alpha comedian among his small group of comedian friends. That persona is completely dropped when he has comedians who are funnier than him or more famous on him or than him on his podcast, like Bill Burr, for example. Right. And Bill Burr will call out Joe on his crap. And so and if you ever watch Joe's stand up, I don't think it's very funny at all. I think Joe's actually not that great of a comedian. Uh, see, I disagree. I think he is. Funny. You do think he's I funny. Like his I, comedy I, specials. I, yes. I don't like his comedy. Yes. It's, I, yeah, but I do. I, I, I think he's funny. And I think, you know, he's hit, he's hit or miss. He's not a hundred, like he's not. I don't rank him up there with the greats. But uh, and, and I should say comedy is very subjective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm somebody who. You know, there's certain comedians I really like. There's certain great comedians that I'm not that big of a fan of. But I think he's pretty funny. But I get what you're saying. Like, and, 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 but I think, I think the, I don't, I think it's unfair to say that these guys hang around with him. I mean, they've been hanging around with him for years and years and years before he became this huge phenomenon. And he encourages, like, he likes exposing them. He likes getting them more exposure. And he's made a point of like encouraging them to do their own podcasts and to like build them up. I think it's coming from a place of these are my friends and I think they're funny and I want them to do well. I I do think it's coming from a good place. So I don't think it's just 
them sort of leeching off of him. I don't see it that way at all. Well, um, I mean, maybe there's exceptions, but I mean, he's been friends with some of these guys since before he ever made it big. Right. He was just doing like just just at that level of comedian where you're just working tiny little clubs and making no money and traveling all the time. And so he's I do think he's legitimately friends with that that group of comedians like and he that has a special place in right his heart. And, and i don't i i don't i don't question what joe thinks but i do see because I, I i don't really watch the ones with his comedian friends on there brian callen's probably the only one that i will watch because I, I just don't feel like he's a yes man to joe right because i've literally seen it where you'll have uh, one of his friends who has an opinion and it seems to be a pretty strong opinion joe would disagree with them and then the, then they'll agree with Joe, right? And it's almost kind of like, I don't know, it, it's hard to describe. It's it's kind of like they're they're wanting to appease him. And, and Brendan Schwab is the worst of the bunch, and he's an absolute worst comedian ever. Yeah, I've never, I've never, and honestly, I'll, I'll be honest, I have not seen stand-up from almost any of his stand-up buddies. Like, because I, 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 I don't watch a ton of stand-up. I made a point to watch Joe's because I, I wanted to see what his stand-up was like. And it's available on Netflix, so why not? But I have, I don't watch, I've never seen the episodes with Joey Diaz. I just know from him talking about them on other podcast episodes, he'll, he, he talks about like he's trying to get Joey to move to Texas. <laughs> I mean, that guy, he clearly is like one of his best friends. Yeah. And so, you know, whether or not Joey Diaz is a good comedian or not, I have no idea. But I do think whatever Joe is doing is coming from a place of generosity because he's made it so big. Yeah. You know, and he's been in the dirt. And, and I don't know if you followed the whole... I did go down the rabbit hole on the whole Carlos Mancia thing. Oh, yeah. No, I have never gone down that rabbit hole. I didn't know what the story was because it was a whole... You know, he was he's talked a lot about Mitzi at the comedy store recently because I think she passed away in the last couple of years. And he was super emotional about it because she was the comedy store. Like, if she didn't think you're funny, she didn't care who you were. But so he revered her. It, like she has this like godlike status among comedians who work the comedy store. And the comedy store does have an amazing history. But he was booted out at one point and not welcome at the comedy store because he confronted Carlos Mancia right. on stage about stealing jokes. Stealing jokes. Yeah. And I actually saw the video. I mean, it's a terrible cell phone video from like early 2000s or whatever it was. But I mean, he went in hard on this guy. I mean, it was brutal. And so, you know, I, I kind of respect him for that. And I think that's why a lot of comedians really respect him. I think that's one of the reasons. Because uh, nobody was really willing, because Carlos Mancia was huge at the time. Yep. Nobody was willing to stay, especially some of these guys who are just, you know, eking out a small living, like doing Tuesday nights at, or whatever night at the, the comedy store. But he's been there, I think, legitimately long enough. He's built so many relationships. I don't I don't really question that. I think, to your point, I'm sure there's some of them that are riding his coattails a little bit, but I don't think he minds at all because no. they're his friends. And he's no. like, hey, if I can make you like make you make more money or be more famous, I'm going to do it. <laughs> right. And, and you know what's funny is that, you know, when he has his comedy friends on and he talks about, you know, stand-up comedy being a high art, which I, I agree, comedy, stand-up comedy, it, it's hard, right? Because it's oh, all yeah. about timing, reading the crowd. Uh, you know, your actual content, your jokes. I mean, there's so much that goes into it and it is a hard thing to do. But I mean, Joe mm -hmm. puts it like up on a pedestal, like, you know, he's a modern day Van Gogh kind of thing. But what's so funny about that is that he has comedians on who are not part of his clique and they'll be throwing out jokes. They always go over his head. Always. <laughs> they always go over his head. It's amazing to me. One of the comedians he has on uh, quite often, and he's got his own podcast, which I, I really haven't spent a lot of time listening to, uh, is Theo Vaughn, which... When he's on Rogan, he is absolutely hilarious, but I don't like his stand-up. 
right? But on Rogan, he is so <laughs> funny. And he has these amazing jokes that he just pulls off the cuff. And Joe, they just go over Joe's head every single time. It's to the point where it's almost kind of uncomfortable, like how the jokes aren't landing with Joe, but they're hilarious jokes. And you could almost tell that Theo's getting kind of frustrated by his jokes aren't landing because Joe is just, it just goes over his head. Do you think it goes over his head or he just doesn't think it's funny? No, I think it goes over his head. Well, and another question is, is he stoned when he has Theo Vaughn on? Because I, I find that Joe is a lot I, less intelligent when he's stoned. I, I don't think so, simply because okay. Theo had a major drug problem and he's sober now. Oh, so okay. he okay. probably... Presumably I, not, then. Yeah, I would presume he would be kind enough not to be smoking weed around he a might be drinking, drug though. addict. Um, yeah, potentially. And that's something I will say that, like... And again, I'm not, so I do not, and I don't care that if somebody's drinking or smoking or doing whatever when they're hosting a podcast, but I think just objectively, for the most part, occasionally it does something to help kind of loosen up the guest and everything. Like if they're drinking whiskey or smoking weed or whatever, I think Joe is a much worse host when he's stoned. Like he's just, he gets distracted easily. He can't stay on topic. I mean, he talks like a stone guy, you know, and so it's he's not as great of a host or an interviewer when he's stoned. And when he's got his comedian buddies on, fine, whatever. I don't care. I I don't listen to half of those episodes. I think and normally if he's drinking, he's fine because he doesn't drink like really fast. He doesn't get smashed. He's just kind of loosened up a little bit. But if he's stoned, he's not as good of a host. Um, Yeah. Uh, so if like if he's firing up an episode like with Duncan Trussell and they're starting out, you know, wearing spacesuits like this last one and smoking weed, I'm like, OK, this one I'm going to check out because it's going to be yeah. a long slog. <laughs> but that's just me. I yeah. think where he is great, I mean, really great is when he's talking to somebody he's absolutely fascinated by. Yeah. So when he has a guest on like a Glenn Greenwald, a Gadsad, although him and Gadsad are friends. Uh, and I know these are recent episodes, but that's they're just recent in my head. Tristan Harris, the Tristan Harris episode, Joe rarely speaks through the episode because he's letting Tristan just kind of lay out his his what he knows and what he's found out, and it was really excellent. Like he's so great because he'll let them talk, he'll let them say everything they got they got to say on the topic, and then he'll ask an insightful question. I think he is a good interviewer if he's super interested in the topic, right? When he's too conscious of his role, he gets, he doesn't, he, he becomes not a good interviewer. Like, right. and this is why I can't watch the Alex Jones episodes, because he's so aware of his platform now. He wants to be responsible. Like, he takes that really seriously. And so, when he had, I mean, if you have Alex Jones on, the guy's going to rant and rave about all kinds of insane crap, right? Like, the guy's going to just go off about interdimensional whatevers. I don't know. He's he's vampires. Almost, yes, he's almost incomprehensible, right? Poor Joe is trying to fact check every, everything that Alex Jones, and it just derails. Like it just becomes this just mess. And so, just don't have him on, right? Because you're you want to fact check everything he says. You're not going to be able to because Alex is going to rant and rave and just go off on twenty five different tangents, and it's just a mess. And so, I don't have a problem with him having controversial people on his show, but that particular guest is just annoying because Joe wants to be responsible. And I think that's something over the last couple of years he's become much more aware of is this whole concept of, because he's gotten a lot of criticism for quote unquote platforming people that have controversial views or whatever. And so, he's trying to, while still allowing them to be exposed they're good ideas, they're bad ideas, whatever. Like he said, you know, the best thing for bad speech is is, is sunlight and and better speech, as he puts it. 
when he tries to do that, sometimes it comes off like he's not super great at it. He's trying. And I give him credit for trying, but it kind of can derail the podcast and make it sort of unlistenable. So yeah. I uh, I think he's better when he's super interested in the topic. He's not trying to be too conscious of his platform when putting air quotes around that. I think that's when he's the best. I think that's when his episodes really shine. Right. And again, that all comes down to the guest. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Like, he's a good interview. Like, the episodes with Edward Snowden. Um, yes. It, he Joe rarely talks. He just lets yeah. Edward Snowden just talk and talk and talk. And like you said, he, when he's super engaged and super interested in what they're talking about, he'll ask really good questions. Mm-hmm. There's kind of the two modes, right? Like, if he has somebody on he finds interesting, he'll interview them. If he yes. has somebody who he just likes, he just wants to talk to, they'll just have a conversation. Right. And it's not an interview. And you have to kind of recognize, oh, this is not an interview. They're just talking whatever, right? Yeah. But one thing that he becomes very insufferable on, and I have two episodes that I can remember specifically, is weed legalization, right? Which Joe is a big stoner. <laughs> He's big into the, you know, weed should be legal. Weed is yeah. great. It's a miracle drug. All that kind of stuff. He had Dan Crenshaw on. Which was a good episode. You know, they're just having a conversation. Yep. He asked Dan about, you know, his stance on weed legalization. And he was like, oh. well, uh, you know, I, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. I need to know more. You know, but he's like, it's kind of a state's rights thing. He was very kind of noncommittal about it. And Joe just started grilling him. Like, why why, why not? You should be completely broke. You know, he just, and he wouldn't <laughs> drop the topic. Right. Yes. And Dan Grishaw's like, I, okay, fine. You know, I. I'm not going to die on this hill. You know, it's like, right. I'll look at it if legislation comes up for it. And, um, and we should say Dan Crenshaw is a, a uh, I think he's a congressman from Texas. Uh, yes, he a is a congressman. congressman. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's a yeah. junior uh, congressman. Yeah, veteran. Um, and there was yeah. another one with Stephen Crowder, who, mm-hmm. um, which I, I'm not a fan of Stephen Crowder. <laughs> just, he is, he's another comedian that's just terrible. I don't think I've heard an episode with him. Uh, he, he's done, I think he's been on Rogan like twice. One episode he was uh, he had Crowder on, and Crowder knew Joe's stance on uh, marijuana legalization, and Crowder's very against it because he's very religious. Uh, and 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 Crowder's like, I specifically don't want to talk about this, Joe, because I know it's going to derail the conversation. But Joe wouldn't let it go. It ended up being forty <laughs> minutes of Joe trying to convince him why weed should be legal, right? And he's like, That's fine. I don't care, Joe. I don't want to talk about it. But Joe <laughs> kept on, and it's it's uh. It's pretty bad. It, and to kind of go also, again, one thing I just thought of, uh, and I feel like I'm kind of jumping around here a bit, but it, again, the show is as good as its guest, and it's rarely because of Joe's fault that the episode sucks. Even though Joe's not that interesting of a person, he couldn't carry the podcast by himself. Uh, it's very rarely a reason why the podcast is terrible is because of Joe. Even If it's a terrible guest, it's going to be a terrible podcast, right? Like Kanye. Right. That was a big deal when Kanye came out. That was a terrible uh. episode. I couldn't. And I couldn't even make it through it. I I had to stop. I just couldn't. And it wasn't because of Joe. No. Right. It's just his guest. And maybe that's because Joe doesn't ask the right questions or something. Maybe Joe no, could make I it think better. That but. was just. That was just. I think again, Joe is not Frost. You know, he's not this this amazing journalist interviewer guy. You know, he he's just a dude who is curious. And so, when he has somebody on like Kanye, who is all about himself. Kanye's only interested in talking about stuff. Joe's not going to grill Kanye. You know, he's not going to like approach it as a journalist would approach an interview with Kanye. He just wants to know about the guy. He likes his music, thinks he's interesting. Hey, I'm going to talk to him. I, I mean, I, I didn't listen to the whole thing 
Full confession. I only listened to a little bit, if I'm honest. But yeah, again, he's going to let them be who they are, you know, and he'll have questions. Like if he has questions, he's going to ask those questions and he won't let the conversation sort of die out. There's never any awkward silences. Like he's, that's where he's a good interviewer is that he's always got more questions for his guests. He doesn't run over them with the questions, but he will, he won't ever let it just wander off. And, you know, you never get the feeling that, well... We're just sitting here and I'm going to come up with some BS questions because I can't think of anything. You know, he always seems to ha- be really well prepared or yeah. have a lot of thoughts to, to, to drive good conversation. So I think you're not giving him quite enough credit. You, know, you think he's not that interesting. I think he's I think he's pretty good as an interviewer. I just it, it has to be somebody he's interested in. It needs he needs to be relatively sober, at least not stoned. <laughs> And I do think you're right. He's hung up on the weed thing, which, you know, I, I personally, I agree with him. I think weed should be legalized. But I think he, he, for some reason, that's one of those things. Normally, he's really great about having kind of nuanced discussion about, because he's he's heard from both sides on things like UBI. And he'll kind of go back and forth. He's like, I think it's a good idea. Or I think it's something we should at least try, you know. So he can be persuaded by really good arguments. But on that one... I won't budge from this. I want to convince everybody to come to this side of the argument. So, and he's not a great debater. I think that's no. the key. He's not a great debater. <laughs> he's he's educated on certain things. He's definitely educated on that topic. But to your point, he won't let it go. <laughs> right. And I think really the only, the only and the thing is, it's like one thing that Joe Rogan's podcast benefits greatly from is the YouTube comments, which are going to go away, which is going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube comments on Joe Rogan's podcast are just gold. Uh, and his subreddit also very funny. I've never read the YouTube comments and I've never seen the subreddit. So oh, the memes, the the memes are just oh. they're so great. Um, I do, I do, I take that back. I have noticed in the comments there's always the Joe insert heat shock whatever protein. meme, yeah, heat shock protein Rogan or whatever. Yeah, yeah I have seen yeah. that meme. So there's some really good memes in around the community, and and what I do like is that like especially the subreddit. Either the subreddit becomes a place where it's just like idol worship. Or it's a place where they absolutely hate him, right? <laughs> so, uh, like, for I'll give you a perfect example. Brendan Schwab and David Callen have a podcast called The Fighter and the Kid. And uh, you go to that name. subreddit, and you go to that subreddit, and it's 100% negative. They're like, the subreddit's dedicated to hating that those people, right? <laughs> Joe Rogan's kind of a nice mixture. Like, these people, are, they love Joe Rogan, but they're willing to call him out on a lot of his crap. You know, because right. Joe, Joe is a very like, hey, you know what? If you don't like what you do, just quit your job and do follow your dreams. You'll be successful. Mm. Right. And he's yeah. very out of touch in that. Very naive. Which, yeah, he's very naive in that. And that pisses people off on the subreddit. They're like, Joe, maybe people actually like their cubicle job. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of surrounding culture, I guess you could say, to the podcast that I almost kind of enjoy more than the podcast itself in a, in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Um, and it's it just to me, it's just very humorous. And, you know, like one of my favorite things was uh, on the subreddit. It was uh, <laughs> Joe eating a banana colorized. Uh, and you click on the picture and it's like this monkey that's completely shaved, like it has no hair. And it's eating a banana. Um, so it's uh, it's great. very funny. But I think when you're talking about being awkward, I think... The only time I've ever noticed that was Elon Musk. That's because Elon Musk. That wasn't Joe. You're right. That was Elon Elon. Musk. Elon's like that in every interview. Yes. And it's because, well, you have to understand with Elon, I think I figured this out because 
uh, he's also done interviews with another a YouTube channel that I follow, which is Everyday Astronaut. He he thinks very carefully about what he's going to say before he says it, which is shocking based on his Twitter, to be honest. But <laughs> he, when you ask him a question, there'll be this long, awkward pause because in his head, I don't know what's happening in there, but he's thinking, he's having a conversation, he's analyzing, he's coming up with whatever he's going to say. And I'm not saying that in a way like, I think he honestly doesn't even realize that the time that he's taking to process and think and come up with what he wants to say is awkward for anybody else. Because I think Elon's probably on the spectrum and I don't, I'm not throwing out some diagnosis or something. I know that's not cool to do, but based on his interactions and and his the way he behaves in the public eye, he seems to exhibit some of those characteristics. And I think that's just, I don't even think he's aware of the social cues of that being weird and awkward. The fact that he's going to sit there silently after you've asked him a question for 35 seconds before he answers it. So that's all Elon. <laughs> and yeah. kudos to Joe for not being like, what is happening here? You know, <laughs> he was yeah. willing to sit it out and wait until Elon answered. He didn't try to fill it, you know. So it did come off as a little weird and there were some gaps, but I, that was all Elon. Yeah, yeah. And at the, the last episode, we had Neil deGrasse Tyson. DeGrasse, DeGrasse Tyson. Uh, that uh, was pretty insufferable. I mean, and again, that was the guest, right? Because yes. he's just an egomaniac. And it was, it, it's almost like he has the same ego as Kanye, but he knows to temper it down a little bit <laughs> to a degree. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Barely, yeah. No, he, but, he's, he's, unfortunately, if I see that's a guest on, and he's been a guest before, and if you go back like to older episodes where he was on, or if you go back to bad. older interviews with Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's not bad at all. But his ego's gotten way outsized, and now he's insufferable. He comes across as a condescending, smarmy jerk, and so I, I just avoid anything with him now because I can't take it anymore. But yeah, that's an episode. I didn't even listen to it. I, I did briefly look at the YouTube comments for the episode, and was like, yeah, I'm glad I skipped this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan, it's, it's only as good as his guest, and it covers such a wide range of topics. Uh, and, and sometimes he does get, like, super massive stars on there, too, like Robert Downey Jr. and stuff. Oh, Matthew yeah. McConaughey. And yes. uh, those, they feel more PR-ish in a way. And they're usually shorter, because these people are usually doing these because they're on a PR tour, and yes, they only have so exactly. much time, right? You exactly. may get an hour. Which a Rogan podcast can be anywhere from an hour to five hours, you know, depending on who the guest is. But usually for these stars, you're only gonna you you might get lucky if it's an hour and a half, right? But it's usually just under an hour, around an hour. I want to say when he had Rob Lowe on, I felt like it was like two or three hours. That one went on quite a bit, but I think Rob Lowe's actually a fan. Yeah, like, yeah. I, think, I don't. I, I don't think that was like a PR tour. No, because uh, he didn't have so. anything. I don't think he had anything coming out at the time. Like, like with McConaughey, he has his book coming out. I think with uh, what was the other one? Robert Downey Jr. He had something going on that he was promoting. But it is nice because unlike most of those press tours where they're on for ten minutes max on something, they get to sit and talk for at least an hour. And what's so funny is I don't know if you've noticed this, but when he does have those big stars on. They seem to be really happy about the fact that they get to talk at length. That it's not mm-hmm. like this yeah. rush, that it's very relaxed. I, I guess I can appreciate, you know, if you're used to doing like press junkets and stuff, you know, you're like, okay, you're going to sit down in front of this bald headed, like meathead guy for like three hours and talk. But again, I think you're right. I think they're usually limited to an hour. And I'm guessing that's probably a caveat from Joe. I'm guessing he's like, I'm not going to have you on for 20 minutes. You have to at least give me an hour. Yeah. 
because he really believes strongly in the long form conversation being more valuable, which I agree with. I think it's it's way more valuable. But yeah. it, every once in a while, like I said, Rob Lowe, I think he was on for the full three hours and they had a real natural conversation. They seemed to really hit it off. In fact, I want to say on Joe's Instagram shortly after that episode, he did take Rob Lowe shooting to the shooting range. Oh, <laughs> uh, tactical shooting range. Like they talked about it on the show. And then like a few days later, it was on his Instagram, him and Rob Lowe at this tactical shooting range in LA or whatever. So I thought that was kind of funny. And and I think what was nice about that is that you get to see a little bit more about those you know celebrities because usually when they're doing those kind of press junkets stuff, they're just talking about the movie, the filming movie. You don't really get into their lives and kind of understand who they are, <clears throat> which, you know, with Rob Lowe, it was... He seems like such a nice guy, you know. Just exactly, he like was, he he was shockingly uh, down to earth, normal, and yeah, casual, and yeah, yeah. For and sure. uh, even though even the one with Robert Downey Jr., he he's a little out there, but um, <laughs> you know, it was it was nice just to actually hear him talk about himself, like without promoting something, because I think he was promoting Doctor Doolittle at the time, which was a bomb. But they only talked and, about it for like two minutes at the end. Yeah, or they didn't talk, although. Joe kept bringing up Iron Man, and I, I have a feeling Robert Downey Jr. was just tired of talking about Iron yes, Man. Yes, <laughs> he was ready to move on. I can't um, blame him there. I mean, after you know, fifteen years of it, he's got to be a little tired. Yeah. Well, and then um, McConaughey was a great example. So McConaughey, if you get him in little dribs and drabs, just little snippets here and there, or you see something, and you're like, boy, that guy's way out there. I don't know what's going on with him, but he seems way out there. But in hearing his discussion like a long form conversation with joe i was like oh he seems kind of cool like he's 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 a little trippy a little hippy dippy but he doesn't sound kind of as because he sound he was starting to sound a little loony when you just get little snippets of him because he'll say some mm-hmm. things and you're like what you know he's is yeah. he trying to be deep i don't understand what's happening but when i i saw him on rogan i was like okay okay i get like he has a delivery style that makes him sound that way he's actually a pretty you know normal cat so i that was kind of cool like i that's one of the reasons I will make a point, even though I'm not like into the celebrity culture. I will make a point to listen to most of his celebrity. Like I said, I couldn't do Kanye. I tried. But I'll try to listen to his celebrity episodes just because I'm interested in that kind of long form exposure. I think you learn a lot more about them. But frankly, his best episodes are when he's interviewing really, really interesting you know, journalists or whistleblowers or scientists like that's when his his show gets really really good or talking about conspiracy theories and not necessarily like ufos um ancient civilizations kind mm-hmm. of thing like he mm-hmm. has graham graham hancock on or yes um which those are always entertaining um he had the uh the air force pilot um oh uh, 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 faber uh lieutenant faber faber yeah <clears throat> That's right. That was that really was, interesting. That was super interesting. Dan a- Dan Aykroyd. That was a fantastic podcast. That was shockingly good. I. You know what? So he uh, sort of digressing a little bit. He was also on last podcast on the left, which you know totally makes sense because they're way into UFOs. And the thing I learned about him, he is so nice. The reason mm-hmm. he believes all these people, I mean, he's had his own experiences, and his mother was obviously way into like UFOs and all these different things. But he's so nice that he just believes that everybody who tells these stories are all telling the truth because he's like, I have to believe them. They're very nice people. You know, he just seems to be this <laughs> like he just takes everybody like he's, he's like Pollyanna. He just takes everyone at face value and believes the best of them. And so if they say they were abducted, 
of course I believe them. He just, <laughs> he came off so much. I don't know. I really, and, and they really got into some stuff about Ghostbusters. That was a really great episode. I forgot about that one, but yeah. 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 Well, it, really- it just surprised me with just how he has all these alien encounters. Like his character from Ghostbusters, that's him in real life. Oh, it is. Like, yeah, I didn't This stuff is that. all cataloged in his brain. He could pull out dates, names of like obscure alien sightings and stuff. Like, he does seem to almost have a photographic memory for that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's and you're right. He's abs. And well, he wrote Ghostbusters. Yeah, like, it was. It, he wrote it. I think originally it was more serious than what he ended up. You know what it ended up being as far as a comedy. I, I think it. Ended up, I think him and Harold Ramis wrote it. I think most most of it was written by Ramis, but all like the geeky scientific and spooky stuff, paranormal stuff, was all written by Aykroyd. Was that okay? That makes sense because Ramis is pretty funny. So. I mean, Dan Ackerman was always funny, obviously, being on SNL and everything. But yeah, no, that was a really good episode. I forgot about that one. That's a good one to listen to. Yeah. So it's really when it comes to Joe Rogan, you kind of have to look at the guest list. And um, and, and I mean, there are diehard people who listen to every single episode. That That's not going to be me. No. Um, so uh, as far as rating goes, I you know, I don't hate the podcast. It's probably it probably is the podcast I listen to the most. Uh, although sometimes it goes through dry periods where he gets a bunch of dry guests. I'm just like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just don't won't listen to it. It could be a couple of weeks where I don't listen to it at all. Um, and then I'll just have a banger weeks where it's like every other day there's somebody really interesting that's on. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, been on a hot streak recently. There's been some really great guests. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he had uh, recently just decided he had Mike Baker on again. Oh, like I love former, Mike Baker. Oh my God, because the guy, this guy, he former intelligence, um, CIA, and and he names his kids names like Scooter and Slugger, and I don't know. A scoot, a scooter, Sluggo, and Muggsy. Sluggo and Muggsy, his poor kids. <laughs> and he sounds exactly like a guy who would name his kids that. I I love listening to him just because he's hilarious, and he's not a comedian yeah. at all. But anyway, yes, obviously I don't hate it. I, I, I'm a bit of a completionist when it comes to consuming media, which is a, sort of a bad thing in the the, the current state of things. There's just, just so much media to consume. So I generally won't start something if I can't listen to all of it um, or like listen to it religiously. But I, I adjusted when I started getting into podcasts. So I too will skip. I'll, I'll judge each episode, read the show notes, who is on it, what it's about, and make a decision whether or not I listen to it. But you know, I'd say I listen to probably 60% of the episodes he puts out because I usually skip the comedians. I skip all the MMA stuff because I'm not into that. So yeah, I, I really, I don't hate it. I'm subscribed. I listen. I think my one takeaway would be if you've heard all these horrible things about the Joe Rogan experience or Joe Rogan himself, you probably haven't actually listened to the show and you're probably getting your information from somebody who also hasn't listened to the show. So I highly recommend before you make a judgment call on it, Go listen to a couple of episodes. Uh, go listen to his episode with Bernie Sanders. Listen to his episode with Glenn Greenwald. He is not biased about who he has on his show, from the left, from the right, from the center, from all over the place. And I think you'll understand that you've been kind of misled. I think there's it's an unfair characterization of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of that annoys me that that narrative is out there. And I think it's you can't judge a podcast until you've listened to it. Which is one of yeah. the reasons we're doing this podcast, because we're yeah. making a point to listen to podcasts, someone we might think we might not like, and surprised. We get surprised by them, so, and others yeah. we're not surprised by, so. <laughs> well, and, and the thing to take away is that if he does have controversial guests on, don't assume that he doesn't challenge them. 
Right. Because exactly. he definitely, like the Milo Yiannopoulos, he challenged Milo many, 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 many times. Yeah, and that he was before was Milo went off the deep end. Like that when he had right. him on, he has not had him back on since Milo went full like sex with Crazy. underage kids is fine or whatever it yeah. was. He, like, no, yeah. actually it was it was right after that, uh, the last time he was on. And it, there was a lot of challenge Oh, there, did he so. have him on there? I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. he did. So it, it again, it, just saying, oh, he had, he platformed somebody doesn't mean necessarily that he didn't challenge those people which that's a healthy thing to do is to challenge yeah. people who have controversial views so exactly exactly his last episode with alex jones he spent the entire time trying to fact check everything alex said which is very challenging so mm-hmm. yep. um, i didn't make it all the way through so i don't know if he was successful all the way through but but yeah i think i think we both say we don't hate it give it a shot before you judge it but don't feel like you have to listen to every episode because it's pretty much not possible Have thoughts you want to share? Send us an email at whyihateyourpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at whyihateyourpodcast.com. You can also find us at Hate Your Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Our intro, transition, and outro music is by Kevin McLeod and licensed under Creative Commons. Please see the show notes for details.